The information contained on this platform represents the opinion of the host and shall not be understood, construed as or a substitute for medical or health advice. Please see a health professional who is aware of the facts and circumstances of your individual situation. It's the Black Health 365 podcast, and we are here to make sure you look good on the outside and even better on the inside. After all, looking good, feeling good, and living a healthy lifestyle 365 days of the year should be a daily choice. Here at the Black Health 365 podcast, we will address the healthcare disparities within the Black community with trusted voices and information to empower a healthy lifestyle. Ain't that right, Britt? I'm talking about mind, body, and soul. Greetings and salutations, 365ers. How's everybody doing today? Hope you're doing amazing. I am Jackie Page, uh, one of the hosts of the Black Health 365 podcast, joined by my handsome co-host. I appreciate the drop-in, Jackie. My name is Britt Daniels, 365ers, and um, it's your yogi, entrepreneur, and fit life coach. This is the Black Health 365, where it's our mission to be champions of truth and change by providing y'all with personalized healthcare information and resources from trusted professionals. And as y'all know, we are here to empower the Black community to make healthier choices all year long. Jackie, I'm excited to introduce our guest today. I am as well, 365ers. Um, joining our conversation today, we're going to be talking about pregnancy and health screenings, um, hypertensive, hypertensive disorders. Um, I have Dr. Issa Davis. Uh, Dr. Davis is a task force member and a professor of medicine and family and community medicine, the associate vice president for community health and the senior associate dean of population and community medicine at the University of Maryland School of medicine. Put some respect on that name, okay? <laughs> Dr. Davis, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing well today. Thank you so much for having me. How are you both doing? Pretty good. I like how you kind of just like started our check-in. So we do a thing here on the Black Health 365 podcast where we kind of check in with each other. And it's funny because we're usually asking our guests like how they're doing, but I love how you're just like, you know, how are you doing? So we'll go ahead and, you know, kick off this check-in. Britt, I'll start. I'm okay. Today has been a pretty chaotic day. Uh, as you can see, I am still in the studio. Usually I'm at home, but you know, I have been moving and grooving today. So a little chaotic today, but um, outside of that, pretty good. I'm ready to go home and take a nap. <laughs> um, Dr. Davis, how are you doing today? I'm doing well as uh, also, um, you know, woke up feeling grateful this morning. You know, it was, uh, you know, of course, a little rainy, a little cool. And after, you know, beautiful past two days, but, um, you know, woke up, felt good, felt healthy, worked out yesterday. And so uh, a little sore, but, you know, that's a good thing. Uh, and, you know, just learning to appreciate the rain and, you know, as a, as a day of cleansing. And it's Friday, as you, looking forward to taking a nap as well. So, <laughs> Just, you know, feeling good, feeling good. Like at that perspective, um, when you just said like, you know, appreciating the rain, because very often we don't appreciate the rain. We see the rain, the rain as something bad. Um, but I actually get some of like the best sleep and some of the best relaxation when it's raining. So I like that that perspective shift that you have when it comes to to the rain. Britt, how are you holding up today? Um, I think um, I'm, I'm, I'm running on a lot of excitement. You know, um, things have been going really well in my life, in my business, personal, 
um, been doing a lot of community engagements, doing a lot of work, working with men, trying to shift the narrative of health for men, specifically with black men. And all those conversations have been really giving me a lot of um, a lot of good energy. Um, other than that, I've been working a lot, so I am a little tired as well. But, you know, I'll get my rest and we'll get back after it. So I'm ready to hop into a conversation full of um, insight and wisdom because I know the doctor got more than a few gems to drop on us today. Um, and before we get into that, speaking of just um, health, Jackie, I think it's time to get into our article for today. I'm really interested in the, the uh, findings of this article, um, but it kind of makes sense. Uh, so there's this article by the, the Post, the Washington Post, that in the past year, life expectancy in the U.S. has reversed. For a lot of years, we're going with the trend of people in the U.S. live around 80 years old. And now studies have shown post-COVID, post-quarantine, is starting to reverse. And there's a couple of reasons that we can talk about, but I'm interested in getting your opinion on it and then Jackie and then your opinion as well, Doctor. Yeah. So some of the reasons that this article is stating um, include uh, stroke, diabetes, obesity, things that we have, you know, kind of dealt with forever in eight years. But I think, you know, talking about COVID, I think that's something to throw in the mix. Um, that was a very stressful time. Also thinking about like where the economy is sitting right now. You know, inflation is a big word that's being thrown around a lot. Um, recession is also another one of those words that's being thrown around a lot. And we've talked about this in a number of podcast episodes about the effects of stress. So if you have things like, you know, diabetes, or if you have something like obesity, adding, you know, that other factor of stress could lead to a shorter life expectancy. Am I surprised? I'm not. Is it sad? Yes. Surprise? Not at all. Um, doctor, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think um, to all to your points. And the other thing that happened in COVID, unfortunately, is a lot of people put their health screenings on hold, right? You know, they couldn't get in necessarily to get those uh, very important preventive health screenings, cancer screenings, um, get their diabetes checked regularly. And so I think, you know, we um, certainly saw a lot of, you know, people then coming in way after the fact to try to catch up, right? Or gotten a little bit behind on some of their management of some of the chronic illnesses. And so, you know, I think that that contributed to it as well. And then of course, just the disparities that we saw get uncovered during COVID, you know, a lot of people suffered from food insecurity and, um, you know, not having access to, to those very important um, pieces that you need to be healthy or be able to get out to exercise, you know, a lot of things that would have helped to promote health and wellness. So, um, and the mental health piece, as you said, Jackie, was a huge piece that really has taken a toll on, on people. Um, that I think we're still, you know, grappling with uh, helping people through. To counter it, you know, because some of these issues have become so much more prevalent, specifically on the mental health piece. I'm a yoga instructor. I work with a lot of healthcare professionals. What I've been noticing, at least in the spaces I'm working with, is that there are more spaces being created to support these people who are going through these things. So you're starting to see more black people go to therapy. You're starting to see more black men trying yoga, trying meditation, new practices. So there's a ton of terrible things that happened during quarantine and people are still struggling with it. But I think in recognition, our society kind of reset and say, okay, we need to address it now. And hopefully it gets better. And that's why we're having these conversations at Black Health 365. 
Yeah, and I would have to agree with you. I think the pandemic is, is as bad as it was. It really did open up the dialogue and the conversation for a lot of the things that we were dealing with that we didn't really want to talk about. And then, you know, once the pandemic came, we really sat down and we started shedding light on these things and how these things were affecting us. Um, not only before the pandemic, but during the pandemic and how, you know, having these things around us and happening to us during the pandemic, you know, just kind of made our pandemic experience worse. So um, you're right. I, I do I do agree that um, more spaces, um, more um, opportunities have become available for people to talk about it. And I think a lot of that just comes from, you know, during the pandemic, it was one of those things where it's just like, hey, <laughs> we we got to talk, we do something about this. Like we can't keep moving in, in this in this space. Absolutely. Um, and that's a good transition to our, our Dharma talk actually for today, leading into the larger conversation with the doctor, um, is that we're in a culture right now of grinding, 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 grinding. And in that process of grinding, um, we become disconnected. We cause all these chronic health issues. We're working, working, working. And sometimes we're doing that to the point that we numb ourselves out. And we're not able to show up effectively for the people in our lives. Um, and it needs to be addressed. And it takes time and space to take, a, to take a step back to say, hey, I can't provide and protect for someone else if I don't even know how to show up for myself. So for all the 365ers listening today, today's Dharma talk is take a step back and show up for yourself so that you can show up for others. Let's get into this conversation. Yeah, great Dharma talk. Uh, as I said earlier, 365ers, we're talking about pregnancy, um, screenings, hypertensive disorders. Um, I think the perfect way to kind of start this conversation um, is to kind of get a definition for what um, a hypertensive disorder is and how that can relate to pregnancy. So hypertensive disorders of pregnancy um, are a group of conditions. I think one of the conditions that people are probably most familiar with is preeclampsia, right? Um, but what uh, this group of hypertensive disorders of pregnancy are is just that. It's um, a, a, a collection, and I would say it's nice to think about them on a spectrum. So at the beginning of the spectrum, we have gestational hypertension, uh, and that is just having high blood pressure that starts in pregnancy. You didn't have it before pregnancy and didn't have it within the first 20 weeks of pregnancy, but you develop an elevated blood pressure or high blood pressure about 20 weeks or beyond in pregnancy, and it starts in pregnancy. That's gestational hyper hypertension. It doesn't necessarily come with any other symptoms, but just a high blood pressure. And then from that, you can develop kind of more severe forms. You then move into preeclampsia, which is where you have this high blood pressure, but now you have starting to have signs that that symptoms or that blood pressure is affecting your organs. So headache, blurry vision, swelling in the legs. Sometimes you can have chest pain. Sometimes it can start to affect the kidneys and you can start to leak protein in the urine. And so you develop this kind of more severe form. And then you kind of move up from that to eclampsia, which is where you have the severe form of preeclampsia, but now you have this risk of having a seizure um, and you didn't have a seizure problem before pregnancy, but now because of this high blood pressure, you have a seizure and that's eclampsia. Um, and so it's though that group of, um, that whole group 
of blood pressures that happen, high blood pressure that happens during pregnancy, again, with or without symptoms as you move up that scale. So that's what we're talking about. Something that you didn't have before pregnancy, but something that developed very quickly during pregnancy. Doctor, I feel like this is one of those things that isn't really talked about a lot. Um, and when you think about how many women are pregnant or trying to be pregnant, it's something that needs to be talked about a lot more. Um, and you're a part of a task force, correct? I'm, yes, I'm a part of the United States Preventive Services Task Force. So the United States Preventive Services Task Force is the task force that is made up of 16 uh, volunteer experts in primary care preventive services for doctors and researchers who have who come together and review all of the research um, and have to make um, recommendations around preventive services for the entire United States population. So all of our screenings, such as mammography, screening for colon cancer, um, all of our counseling, behavioral counseling recommendations, and then we have a set of recommendations around preventive medicines and interventions. And all of it is really to help uh, improve the health of the entire population by helping to prevent um, these chronic diseases and diseases that we have. How did you get involved with this task force? Um, you know, can you, can you kind of go into your story as far as like how you found out about it and why you wanted to get involved? Yeah, so um, so the United States Preventive Services Task Force, the members are usually nominated um, and, and mostly through kind of your career and what you've done and what you've contributed in the space of primary preventive services, either through research or your clinical practice. Um, and so often you are nominated to be on the task force and you go through a selection process um, by the leadership at the uh, Agency for Health Care Research and Quality, or ARC. Um, and then you are appointed to be on the task force with these other 16 members and you serve out a four year term. Um, and so I was very honored and grateful to have been nominated and um, certainly uh, accepted the, the offer to serve in this capacity um, because I have been a researcher and have done a lot of research. And, and as a primary care physician, you know, uh, I you know, have a lot of patients that I talk and educate and take care of one-on-one, -on -one, but this was a real opportunity to now be a part of making decisions that's going to affect the entire U.S. population, right, and to help uh, review the evidence and help to come up with the best guidelines um, that we can, and I, I just couldn't you know, pass over an opportunity like that to serve um, because it, it's just so important to make sure that we have the best available evidence and information um, for our clinicians who take care of everybody, but even more importantly, for the patients themselves, for the population. And so that's why I was really honored to come and talk to your audience today because the information that I hope to share will really empower them um, as you were saying, Britt, to take more ownership of their health and ensure that they are investing in themselves to be healthy. We say here at the Black Health 365 that, you know, we, we like to be advocates for our own well-being. And, Doctor, I'm really happy to hear that you're in this role supporting the community in the capacity that you do. Um, power is, is, is not a word to describe it. Um, I'm, I'm interested, going back to the disorder in itself, how screenings are actually conducted. Um, hypertensive screenings, how are those actually conducted? 
Yes. So, mm-hmm. so um, the recommendation, so I just want to say first that the United States Preventive Services Task Force just put out a recommendation on screening for hypertensive disorders of pregnancy. And after having reviewed all of the research of what is the most effective way for us to detect this set of conditions, um, the evidence has shown us that taking an office-based blood pressure at every prenatal visit is a way to identify these conditions such that the following management and treatment can happen. Um, and so, honestly, Britt, it's just a blood pressure being taken at an office visit at every prenatal visit um, that is really, really important to detecting these these series, you know, this, this condition of disease of um, blood pressures. Um, and so I know it sounds very simple um, and says, well, you know, you always get your blood pressure taken when you go to the to the office. But I think one thing that this recommendation reinforces is that after having looked at all the research, that it's an effective tool to picking up this condition. And if we can just make that more uh, awareness to our population that come in to your prenatal visit, make sure you're getting your blood pressures taken and screened so that this can be, if you develop it because it develops quickly, it will be identified quickly and early and then the appropriate, appropriate treatment can happen. Um, part of back Jackie back to what you were saying about not really hearing about it or knowing about it um, and part of that is um, in our community um, a lot of black women don't come in early enough for prenatal care um, so we need to come in we need to know why we have to come in and this recommendation that we've come out with is a reason to come in for your prenatal visits to make sure you're getting your blood pressures checked to make sure if you develop this it's being caught and you can have the following treatment um, you know delivered mcdonald's is not new to chicken so maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the mccrispy juicy fried chicken buttery bun unmatched pickle to chicken ratio yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And this recommendation is a nationwide recommendation, a nationwide initiative, correct? Correct. Yes, it is. And we put it out there um, and also um, certainly encourage everyone to go to our website as well for the details of that recommendation. We do have a lot of resources, not just for the providers um, to use it and to use it in their office and know what to do, but we have a lot of patient facing information so that the community can become educated on the condition, on what is needed, on what kind of conversations they need to be having with their physicians to make sure that they're getting the appropriate screening uh, and certainly, you know, treatment uh, based off of that. Happy 62nd birthday, Granddad. Thanks, sweetheart. I got you this. A mug. Oh, thank you. Uh, What does it say? Beware, if you are 60 or older, you may be at increased risk of hospitalization from RSV. 
respiratory syncytial virus compared to adults younger than 60. Not all dangers come with warning labels. Talk to your pharmacist or doctor about getting vaccinated against RSV today. Learn more at bewareofrsv.com. Brought to you by Pfizer. When you talk about the appropriate screenings, that just makes me think, and, and you just said that, you know, it's just like a regular blood pressure screening. Is there additional, I guess training or, uh, or or teachings that a provider needs to go through? Or is it just that they should already know how to do this and this information is just getting sent on and going along with them as they go through their pregnancy? Yes. Yeah, so the, the physicians and the clinicians that do this work, that see this patient population, many of them have been well-trained in knowing how to take a blood pressure um, or their office, knowing how to take a blood pressure. You know, our purpose every, uh, and we look at recommendations about every three to five years, and we make sure that we're reviewing what is the latest information research on this topic, right? And has anything changed? And so we've reviewed this um, prior um, in uh, 2017 and, uh, and reviewed the evidence since then. And what it's telling us now is that no, blood pressure measurements at every visit is the way to identify uh, a pregnant person developing high blood pressure in pregnancy and being able to act on it quickly. And so, um, again, the clinicians are all usually well-trained on this, um, but having a recommendation like this just reinforces that what, we do, what we're doing is effective, is correct, uh, and that we just need to be getting that information out to more and more patients uh, and to ensure that they're coming in for their visits. And also just, you know, it always reinforces in the mind of the clinician that pay attention, you know, when you see someone come in and their blood pressure is elevated, you know, that you are also knowing what to do after that. So, um, so we're kind of doing both things, keeping the clinician population educated, keeping them with tools that they can use, but then also certainly educating the patient population to know and to come in to be, um, to be screened. Doctor, what should women do who feel like their concerns about their hypertensive issues aren't being addressed by their doctors? You know, there's a lot of medical mistrust in the Black community, and sometimes we don't know how to be advocates for our own health because we're not educated on how to ask the right questions. But even if when, when we are educated on how to ask the right questions and we're not getting what we ask for, what would you advise a 365er listening? Yeah, so that's a really good question. And I would say that, you know, at the task force, you know, we feel really strongly that everybody needs to be seen, heard and valued. Uh, and it's one of the reasons why we put a lot of energy and time and effort uh, into reviewing the evidence that we do to create these recommendations that really are to apply to everybody. Right. And we are also very, very committed to doing everything that we can to um to close these disparities, right? And so I, you know, one of the things that we hope with our recommendations and the information that we provide, we want people to be armed with it as much as possible, because I think you can advocate for yourself. You'll know how to ask the right questions. You'll know how to engage a little bit more when you are armed and you have enough information to know what you need to know about the condition, what to even expect, right, when you come in uh, to even know how to have those conversations with your different providers. And so I think, um, you know, the most important thing is to arm yourself with the information. Know, write down your questions, know your questions, and then try, you know, have that conversation with your, your physician. 
We've been speaking a lot about um, getting the screening during pregnancy. What about afterwards? Because a lot of women deal with things, you know, postpartum. Is it, um, should I be getting, you know, screened after the baby is here? Is this a topic of conversation or something that I need to advocate for myself for after baby? Um, because again, you know, I have friends who've had kids and they've had, you know, things happen after the baby has come. So do we need to be having these conversations even after childbirth? Yeah, so let me, I'm gonna answer this question in two parts. So first, I wanted to talk about our, uh, just to be clear about our screening recommendations. So the evidence that we reviewed looked at screening for high blood pressure during pregnancy to pick up one of those conditions and follow through with treatment. And we reviewed the evidence there to do that. And while yes, there is this condition of blood pressure problems that occur postpartum, um, the evidence for screening, so by screening, I mean someone who didn't have symptoms at all and we're just screening to see is something there, um, that currently we're not making a recommendation about because the evidence isn't there for us to do so. However, if you are um, if you have experienced signs and symptoms during pregnancy, if you had a high blood pressure condition during pregnancy, then yes, you should be monitored in that postpartum period and you should have those conversations with your physician about how best to monitor and how best to, um, to be treated in that time period. Um, but in terms of just a general screening of people who don't have the condition or, or don't have signs or symptoms, right now we don't have a recommendation that we can make uh, based off of evidence for that time period. But, uh, but the um, pregnant person should definitely have conversations with their physician about monitoring um, during that time period. And certainly if they have symptoms, having, you know, making sure that they bring those up to their doctor. But it is one thing that I should say, we call for in our recommendation statement. So one of the things that we do in our recommendation statements is we make the recommendation for screening. But there is a section in our recommendations where we say, here's a call for more research. And that is where we are calling for more research from our partners that do research you know, across the country, our community partners as well, um, to help us get more data on that postpartum period so that we will be able to review that and hopefully down the line be able to make a, a clear recommendation on what to do for that time period. Doctor, are there new technologies and new treatments that are being developed to help deal with this? Certainly. Um, you know, one of the new technologies that you um, you mentioned earlier that came as a result of COVID was telemedicine, right? And um, and this or the ability to have these kind of virtual visits. Um, there's also some new technology around remote blood pressure monitoring. Um, and um, so I think there are some new technologies of, of how of, that are being developed to see how we can perhaps improve access. Um, and uh, it'll be very, um, you know, important for us to review as research comes out to see how these technologies really perform and how effective they are. Um, it'll be really important for us to, you know, consider that body of evidence down the line too. But yes, there's some very exciting things in that regard. Um, and then there are always new, you know, blood pressure medications and things coming out all the time 
uh, again, that have to go through research and, and all of that um, for us to be able to review. But yes, there's some very exciting things coming down the line. I, I love that you said the remote part of blood pressure monitoring. That was actually a question I wanted to ask earlier. Uh, my mom just recently sent me a um, a at-home blood pressure monitor. You know, I, I've heard a lot of times you go to the doctor and sometimes your blood pressure is up because you have anxiety or stress. Is that a thing? Um, and so maybe doing that monitoring at home where it's more controlled. Um, would you recommend that? How do you feel about that? McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. So, uh, so as a task force member, I don't, you know, I'm not recommending that under the recommendations, um, but as a family physician, you know, if you have, um, you know, if you're able to monitor your blood pressure at home, you know, there, we always, you know, have patients that do so and also bring that information into your physician, right? So um, certainly always work in conjunction, you know, with your physician, but, you know, if you have the ability to monitor your blood pressure, um, you know, by all means do so, and then share that information back to your physician. Doctor, really quickly, just because I think it is important to um, always give like resources and information to 365ers who are listening. Um, do you have just, you know, off offhand any resources that um, our 365ers can tap into, they can dive into to, to get more information um, and to do more research? Absolutely. Um, I would highly recommend everybody going to the United States Preventive Services Task Force um, website. We have a lot of very useful information on there. Um, we have um, all of our recommendations um, for screening for hypertensive disorders, but we have um, information on all kinds of preventive health screenings, um, as well as um, as well as treat you know preventive treatments and and you can um, you know there's also um, a lot in different formats. So if you're a reader, if you're someone who wants to listen to it, but we have a lot of resources on there. Um, and I strongly encourage people to um, to access that website. And, you know, also, I think just to put a plug out there, if there are topics that you think the task force should be looking at, we have a process for nominating uh, preventive services and clinical topics. So if you feel like, hmm, I think we should know more information about screening for whatever it is, right? Go to the website, it's very easy. You can, anyone can nominate topics that you think are important that for us to consider. And we have a process by which we go through uh, and look at those topics. Um, so I would encourage um, people certainly to check out our website from that for that standpoint, because you know there's, um, it's really important particularly around these health disparities that we're seeing uh, infecting certain, you know, certain communities, especially our community, it's important that we know what research is out there, that if we have an opportunity to participate in research, we should. We need to be represented in this research in order for us to, you know, also 
receive the benefits. So it's really important for us to know and uh, to know what's out there, to become a part, to become really educated um, on all of all of the preventive topics so that we can uh, take better care of our, our ourselves and invest in ourselves. Love that so much. Um, Doctor, we like to end these conversations with something we call What's Your 365. What is a takeaway that you would like the listeners to leave with, speaking for yourself as a physician and for the task force? Yes, thank you. So I would like to leave us with first realizing that, I know we've been talking about hypertensive disorders of pregnancy, but we really, it's a bar, it's a part of a bigger problem. We are actually in the midst of a maternal health crisis in our country um, with having some of the highest rates of maternal deaths and complications during pregnancy. Uh, and unfortunately, there's a disparity among that those that are dying with Black women and Native American, Alaska Native American women dying at much, much higher rates. Uh, and a large part of that is being driven by these high, high blood pressures during pregnancy. And um, this is an opportunity. Uh, we have reviewed the evidence and we have a very simple, effective test or screening that can identify these conditions. And so I want everyone to know that. I want, if you know someone who's pregnant, um, make sure that they're getting in to see their doctor. They're making sure they're getting in to get screened for high blood pressure. Uh, this is a condition that evolves very quickly during pregnancy. Oftentimes you don't know you have it. Some people are fortunate to have symptoms, but sometimes you don't. You just have walking around with a high, high blood pressure, not knowing until something bad happens. So I think it's important for us to, um, to spread the message, spread the information, making sure we're getting in to have our screenings um, and that we can, by doing this, we, we can bring more awareness and attention, as Jackie was saying, um, about this condition and hopefully prevent all of these bad outcomes that we're seeing, not with just mom, but also with baby too. Um, and also, I don't think people realize that having a high blood pressure pregnancy also sets you up for long, longer term or down the line uh, problems with heart disease in general, cardiovascular disease. And so it's just a really important time period that I think we can make a big difference. So the more we can educate ourselves, again, go to the United States Preventive Services website's task, task force website uh, and get all the information there uh, and keep spreading the word because we really need to do something about this maternal health crisis that we're in. So thank you very much for allowing me to be able to share that with your audience. Like I said earlier, gems, 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 all the nuggets of wisdom. We appreciate you, doctor. Doctor, if people want to uh, reach out to you or, um, you know, if they want to get more information on what you do, um, do you have like a social media um, website, email where people can reach you at? I, that's a good question. Um, yes, they can reach me on the task force on LinkedIn. So I'm on LinkedIn through the task force. Awesome. Um, 365ers again. If also reach me through info at usptsf.net. And one more time for 365ers. What was that? Info, info at usptsf.net. Perfect. Uh, doctor, thank you so much. Um, this has been a very enlightening conversation. Um, I'm happy we were able to have this because like you said, this is a situation that affects one too many women. Um, 
And it shouldn't be something that's swept under the rug. It needs to be a topic of conversation because there are one too many women out here dealing with this who won't have kids, have kids. It, we just needed to talk about it. So all that being said, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you no more, so no much. When babies die, no more mommies and babies die. <laughs> yes, especially when there's screenings and things that can be done in the interim. That's, that's the piece that, um, you know, I think we really need to focus on is, and one of the things that we do focus on here on Black Health 365 podcast is being an advocate for yourself. And part of that is doing what you need to do in the interim and not waiting until it's too late. It is available. It is here for you. So please take it. I know the doctor has left already with the What's Your 365, but I just had to get that off of my heart. 365ers! <laughs> If you have something that you want us to to, to cover, to talk about, um, to dive into, hit us up on Instagram at BlackHealth365. Again, that's BlackHealth365. I'm Jackie Page. You can find me on all social media at LoveJackiePay. And I'm Britt Daines. You can find me on all platforms at ProfitFitness.life. As always, please be an advocate for your health. All these topics for discussions, there are strategies to educate yourself on how to be the best person you can possibly be. Peace, namaste, and love. Black Health 365 is an Urban One and Reach Media production hosted by Jackie Page and Britt Daniels, created by Samuel Tatum and Laura Lopez, executive produced by Brittany Jackson and Kadisha Campbell, editing and production, Jahi Whitehead, sales and corporate sponsorship, Patty Johnson.